3: Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland.
1: This is Dimity in Denver. I just finished my a mini Snickers, Sarah, and a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, and, you know, a small thing of Swedish Fish. You did not. Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. But, you know, we're coming off of Halloween. I'm, I'm weaning myself away from the candy. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty good, though. I, I did a pretty good job at regulating... Um, regulating my own sugar consumption my children are another story but they're also children so it's a little bit uh they they get a little bit more of a pass right
3: yeah yeah I gotta say that my kids got a bigger haul than they have ever gotten before and it's because it was raining so hard here for at least the first hour of our trick-or-treating so there we we live in a neighborhood that's pretty popular for trick-or-treating like people definitely on dry years they drive here You know, from suburbs or other parts of town and park and then go around to the houses. And so there were not a lot of people out there. And I mean, one street that's one over from us that's usually just mobbed was just empty. I mean, you could have shot a cannon down the middle of it and <laughs> wouldn't have hit anything. And so, wow. um, so I think a lot of homeowners were like, "Ah, there's kids here. I got to get rid of this stuff. So, like
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. So I was lo- dumping it in.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, and then there's a church here that, um, tries to kind of, uh, you know, do a soft sell on getting people to come to their masses. And so they just had loads of, of buckets of candy out and they were handing out popcorn and, hot cocoa and, um, hot cider. And so, um, and they just were like, you know, telling the kids like, Oh, just take as much as you want. And I was like, Oh, you really had to say that. <laughs> so, so, How yes. long were
1: you out? Oh my gosh. For the first hour. How long did you guys trick or treat?
3: We were out for about two hours. Um, wow. so That's yeah, long time. well there's, because, um, we liked, you know, there's certainly neighbors that we know really well that we want to see And then there's specific houses. There's one in particular that just has the most fantastic, fantastic yard just full of, you know, displays and moving things. And, you know, it looks like a guillotine and it looks like a pirate ship with a really creepy, you know, skeleton steering the, you know, steering the ship and just all this stuff. So that's um, kind of a hike from here. That's maybe oh, between a third and a half mile from here. So that was kind of our farthest point. And then we mm-hmm. um, went went by Molly's house and um, she lives on a street that's pretty into Halloween. So, I mean, this neighborhood really takes, and I think Portland in general takes Halloween very seriously. So there's a yeah. lot a lot to
1: look at. Um, yeah. No, I mean, we definitely had a similar, I mean, we have a similar neighborhood to you in that like, I mean, the decorations have gone a little aggro, I think. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I need to just, I'm just not going to participate. Actually, I hung up, three purple bats that i got in the, like the dollar aisle at target uh-huh. two years ago but i'm like if i go beyond these ba- like the bats alone make a statement but if i put up something else and then i'm gonna have to have something else and something i mean music and smoke and oh, yeah. bowls that jump out at you or with oh. the hands that jump out at you and the bowls and i just i mean I, I i appreciate it but then i'm just like where are you storing it what you know it's um, just more plastic stuff yuck. like i
3: Cut from the same cloth, Dimity, because I'm like, yeah. nope, 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 not bringing, you know, not storing all that. And then I debate like, oh, am I just a total miser? Am I like a, you know, grumpy person who doesn't want to deal with holidays? And I'm like, no, I, I just can't handle that.
1: I so. can do like, I can do like the winter, like Christmas. I can get behind, you know, decor lights. I like lights, you know, mm-hmm. and I like, but I don't know. It's just, it's just so much stuff, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. But we we have a similar situation. But I don't, um. You know, I think we were we're out for like I mean our houses are our blocks are pretty tight and our houses are, you know, pretty close together. So I mean Ben Ben is like Amelia went alone by herself for the first time. Or not by herself. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. She went with friends, no adult. Uh Um and then um and then Ben, you know, we kinda went with a kind of a clump of friends in the neighborhood and um and he was just darting around house to house. I mean, just you know, crazy. He came home with over 200 pieces of ch- of candy.
3: Oh, I was going to uh, brag about John's 163. Well, Ben got him beat.
1: Oh my. Well, and so I was like my kids don't need, you know, I'm I'm a trying to be, you know, kind of a laid back, whatever kind of mom, but they do not need 200 pieces of candy. Mm -hmm. And so our dentist buys it back. So I let him keep 50, which feels like a lot to me anyway. Mm -hmm. If you take, if you took away the 200 Uh and just looked at the 50, it looks like a lot of candy because I mean, you know, you're going from your own perspective. Like I grew up in like rural Minnesota You know, like we had to drive everywhere to every house. Like if I like lined the bottom of my little pumpkin basket thing, like that, that felt like a ton of candy, Right. you know? Right. Uh, so I'm just like, you have no idea. So yeah. So we took it to the dentist who pays a dollar a pound. He got $5. Wow. He had That's five good. pounds of candy. Well, yeah. it just feels like this. Like, I do. I found it's Scrooge. Or I don't know what the, you know, the, I'm the rotten pumpkin or something, but it just feels like this cycle. Like, did we even need to buy it? You know, oh, you know, I know. Oh, I know. It, it, it just seems all trading.
3: Oh, tool. I know. It's all trading like, you know, hey, I bought some. So let's just swap and or, you know. Oh, my goodness. My my thing i um, talking about being kind of the, the Scrooge of Halloween is that I just get so tired of finding candy wrappers, you know, laying just mere feet from a garbage can. So my rule that I put down was that if I find a wrapper not in a garbage can, that I take away two pieces of candy from each of them. So, um, oh, and Daphne does not like that rule, Mom. You've taken away four pieces of candy tonight. I'm like, hmm Out of the hundred and fifty you got,
1: like, you're okay. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, that is that is one thing. Yeah, it's the same thing as putting your shoes away and all that. You're like, really? Is it that hard? Oh you know, we're, we're talking feet here. Feet.
3: Oh, I, oh, I know. So, so if I do have to say, I'm very disappointed that because of the, the inclement weather, John did not go as Ariana Grande. So, and Halloween costumes were covered up mainly by raincoats. And, you know, a lot of people were carrying umbrellas, which usually sure. you never see umbrellas. So I really missed being able to see all that. But I do have to say that we had the most fun on Friday evening. A mother runner and mother cyclist here that I know in town has an annual Halloween party that's her family's. And so we went, we had friends in town from Seattle. And then Molly, my running partner, and her husband went. And so they have um, they have turf in their yard instead of um, grass. And so John's out there barefoot. It had been raining that day, but it wasn't raining too much in, by the time the party rolled around. But they did have a couple kind of outdoor those tents like you have like it's you know on the soccer sidelines, like not a sleep in it tent, but one of those you know just cover you type things. And so they had a DJ out there. And so, but no one was out there dancing. So it was like John's private DJ. He could just request any song and he was dancing like a madman. And you know, they had this like kind of funky strobe light going on. And John and I, I'm not sure I've ever had more fun with my son than I did that night dancing with him. Oh, awesome, to, to, awesome. Oh, it was just, it was so fantastic. And Molly's husband got a bunch of video of it and photos that, that he needs to send me. But I mean, I was, I was in absolute heaven. I mean, because, oh, good. yeah, and Molly's husband took one look at John and said, that is the look of pure joy. And I was like, yep. Yeah, so it was it was fantastic. And also the party was super fun. I don't know, Dim, if you saw that Instagram picture that I put out, but I um, wore our Elsa costume from like two years ago at Disney Princess Half Marathon and I had thought that you had taken all that stuff home and then Molly had said, well, why don't you be Elsa? And I was like, well, I think that stuff's at Dimity's house and then it, <laughs> it's here in the storage room where I store all the stuff for, this, for our store and I knew that the tough girl tutu was in there, but I thought that was it. And then I started looking and as John said later, he goes, Oh, it just keeps coming. Like I just kept yeah, <laughs> pulling stuff out of the bag. And I so, know. It's... I know.
1: We hot glued a lot, quite a bit. It was fun. Oh, and it was Grant... so
3: much fun. Yeah. And made the, Oh, I please. I was like, Oh, and Dimity's husband sewed this little capelet on the back <laughs> here of this sock tank top. And, um, so, Oh, and I wore, um, uh, compression socks. I wore pro compression aqua blue pro compression socks. So that kind of added to the whole aqua theme of the thing. And uh, I was wishing that I had a, um, a blonde braid that I could have, you know, um, attached to the back of my head. But so I did that. And then Molly had not told me what she would be. And so we got to the party before she did. And she walks in and she is Steve Prefontaine.
1: Oh, I saw a picture of her. She was awesome. She so was awesome. awesome
3: that she yeah. had specifically found this like really retro University of Oregon tank top, you know, and Molly's totally busty. And here she is rocking this, you know, yellow and green tank top that looks, you know, honestly like it's from the seventies when Steve Prefontaine was running and she has styled her hair just like, cause she had, you know, kind of longer hair. She's drawn on fake sideburns and a mustache. and I mean. Just standing next to her talking. I just kept laughing because she looked so like C. Prefontaine and not like herself. And I just couldn't stop laughing. It was just perfection and I mean you know here in Oregon you know everybody knows who Steve Prefontaine is so it was quite the um you know well-known costume and it was it was just fantastic so that's
1: great we should put a picture up yeah we should should have done that on anyway we should put it up now um yeah well good we were not talking Halloween we are actually talking babies and coming back from babies on this podcast um returning to running postpartum we've got two amazing guests uh, a, we have a physical therapist who works with postpartum mothers and then um, a elite runner who's coming back after or, you know, thinking about coming back after having her baby six weeks ago. So it's going to be a good one.
3: Yes. So first up, we are going to be joined by Kate Mahivik-Edwards. And Kate is a physical therapist with Back to Motion Physical Therapy in Atlanta. And she is in the midst of compiling and investigating results of a survey of mother runners that she did. Kate is the mother of a one year old son. She's a runner and a triathlete, and she blogs at the website happiestdoulas.com. But before we start chatting with Kate,
0: we're going to take a quick break.
3: Welcome, Kate. Thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
3: So tell us about your running and triathlon history.
0: Oh, okay. Well, it's been going on for quite some time. I have been running since I was in high school but I did my first race ever in college. Our school was too small to have a cross-country team or anything growing up, so I kind of did it on my own. I ran my first half marathon in college, and after that, I was completely hooked. Since then, I have run, I think it's 14 marathons total, um, three Bostons, And then I kind of started working my way into triathlon because I thought that there was a little bit more that I needed to do. (laughs) So um, I've done sprint and Olympic triathlons, and then I was shooting for my first half iron this year. But unfortunately, um, I've had a couple health issues and didn't get there, but maybe another time.
1: That's great. Well, so you have a one-year-old son, is that right, Kate?
0: Uh, he's 18 months old now, but yes,
2: my oh, first so one in the month phase.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> one and a half, um, one and a half. So, did
1: you run while you were pregnant with
0: him? Yeah, I ran up to 36 weeks actually. Um, mm-hmm. So I ran for a really long time, and um, I had to get one of those Gabriella belts uh, to wrap around my belly and help keep it up so that um, I wouldn't fall over. <laughs> so, was that an? Was, ex- was it helpful? It was really helpful because, um, you know, you have to go to the bathroom a lot more as you're uh, getting bigger. And it actually helped um, me not have to stop as much, although I'm not sure you could call it running at 36 weeks, but um, I felt like I was.
1: Wogging. Do we call that a wogging? A wog. Kind of a walk, yes. jog, <laughs> waddle kind of thing.
0: That's right. Wow. Awesome. Nice, oh, nice. That's nice. great.
3: Well, we first connected with you, Kate, when you asked that we help spread the word about that survey that you were taking of mother runners. And um, so I guess you said that more than 100 women from the tribe answered your survey. And um, did any of their responses kind of jump out at you? Any really intriguing thing that you found out from them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going to turn it into a paper um, soon. And I had 375, 77 responses total, and there are definitely over 100 um, of the tribes. So that was really amazing. Um, But the interesting thing that I found about it, uh, I found in it was that um, only 15% of the people that answered the survey had ever seen a pelvic health therapist. Hmm. which is just mind-blowing to me, um, coming from the world of physical therapy. So that was really the biggest thing. There are a couple other things. Um, I think about 30%, give or take a little bit, um, had some urine leakage while running. Um, I think uh, that probably was a little bit lower. I'm not sure. I expected more people to have that, so it's really good that they didn't. Um, and then a lot of people didn't know what diastasis was. And I had written about that in an article because I realized that not a lot of people know that, but, um, those are kind of the things that really stood out to me from a physical therapy standpoint.
1: So yeah, that 30% to me feels low too. I mean, but I have to say, mm-hmm. like, I don't leak when I run, but give me a set of 10 jumping jacks and, you know, I've got a puddle underneath me. So <laughs> did you ask about more high impact exercise or was it just focused on running?
0: It was completely focused on running. And that might be something that I'd have to go back in and, and look at again later. Um, but it was completely focused on running. And because I was really, I'm really interested about the running piece. But I, I think you're right. We need to look at it from another perspective as well.
1: If, yeah. If you're jumping or trampoline, like don't get me near a trampoline. <laughs> all right. That's, much, that's the rule at this point. Um, but it, but, and then you talked about diastasis. And so what, what is that exactly? And how common is it?
0: Um, I don't know the exact numbers about how common it is, but it's very common. Um, Diastasis is essentially when you have a split in your abdominal wall. So a lot you can actually figure it out yourself if you have one or not by just kind of palpating or feeling above and below your belly button, getting on the floor, laying on your back and doing a crunch and feeling if there's a space that kind of happens or opens up between your abs. Um, That's what a diastasis is, the space between. And some people have a very small one, some people don't have any, and some people have a very large diastasis. Um, There's a study that... uh, Links diastasis with urine liquid leak- urine leakage, either at the t- right after pregnancy or uh, right postpartum, or later on in life. So if you have it, you're more likely to get urine leakage sometime in your life.
3: Hmm. Interesting. I know our next guest um, on a blog post she wrote that she has a three-inch diastasis. So I, I take that's it that's pretty, pretty extreme.
0: extreme. Yeah, I mean if it's more than two fingers, you really have to um, worry about it. And then you know you want it less than that. It, So three fingers is pretty big. Mm -hmm. And so
3: what are the things that people can do for it if they're listening and then they discover they have it? I mean, because my uh, best friend from high school had a singleton pregnancy and then twins, and she ended up having surgery to correct her diastasis.
0: Wow. Well, um, again, bring it back to the pelvic health therapist. Um, I think it's really important to see a pelvic health therapist and they can really help with the diastasis problem among other things. So one of the things women do a lot after pregnancy is they start to try and get their abs back and try to exercise by doing planks and planks aren't necessarily a very good exercise. If you have a diastasis, because, um, you have to support your viscera and your internal organs. Um, And putting that much weight on them when you don't have the support of your abdominal wall because you have a diastasis is really, really difficult. So that can actually make your diastasis worse. Um, Other things that make it worse include um, doing sit-ups, like roll-ups, any of those kind of um, things would make it worse. What you can do to make it better, like I said, is go see somebody who really understands what you can and can't do. But if you aren't in a place where you can see a pelvic health therapist or you don't have anybody around you, you could start with some basic diaphragmatic breathing exercises. You know, laying on your back, making sure you're breathing into your diaphragm by putting your hands on your rib cage and really feeling your rib cage expand Um, and then making sure you do a full exhale. So that's really a great place to start. And then you can also take a towel um, kind of or a TheraBand, which is like an elastic band a lot of us use, um, and put it around your waist and kind of hold it so that um, it's tight around your abdomen as you do small um, exercises for the core. Those would be a couple of things you could do on your own.
1: Is it something that, that you can a cure is probably the wrong word, but I mean, is there, can, you, can you close that gap over time or is oh, that once it happens, is it always there?
0: No, I can close. I mean, it may not oh, okay. be perfect, but it can certainly close. And, you know, a good Pilates instructor who, under, who really sees women postpartum um, and is in more of a rehab setting also can help with that.
3: Cool. Now, now, you've mentioned um, a pelvic health physical therapist several times. And I noticed that on <laughs> yeah. uh, an article you wrote that you recommend women runners before they resume running um, after they've had a baby to, you know, check with their OBGYN and also check with a pelvic health physical therapist. And, mm-hmm. you know, could you kind of talk about the rationale behind that recommendation? And also, where can women find such a practitioner in their area?
0: Sure. Absolutely. So I'm not a pelvic health therapist. I'm a physical therapist that specializes in treating runners and triathletes, but I work very closely with several, uh, you know, pelvic health therapists and you can find them. There's a website from the APTA, which is our uh, national association, and it's women's health. APTA.org, that's where you can really find somebody and type in where you are in the country and it should tell you who the public health therapists are in your area. Um, the, The reason that it's important is because our bodies go through this rapid change when we're pregnant and then even postpartum. And I think in this country, we don't give ourselves enough time to really get back to where we were previously or even allow our body to heal. Um, The pelvic health therapist is really great because they can do both external and internal exam to see how the muscles of the pelvic floor are actually working. If they're not working, if they are, if they're tight, if there's an imbalance, Um, and they can also – so they'll start there, but – a really good help, pelvic health therapist will also look at your pelvis and your back and everything else. And so um, I think it's really important to go because no, nobody else is going to look in there <laughs> <laughs> except for your OBGYN. <laughs> it's true. Nobody else is going to look in there except for your OBGYN. And they don't really have the knowledge about how those muscles function as much as a pelvic health therapist does. And if you think about it, your pelvic floor is just like any other muscle. It just happens to be in a place where you can't get to it very easily. <laughs> so yeah, it's, exactly. I mean it's true and i see a lot of women in my practice because like i said i treat a lot of runners who have had um who have had children and then they come in with back pain or hip pain or Um, pain in somewhere in their their leg and a lot of times it has to do we take it all the way back to when they had a baby and i'll send them for a pelvic health um, eval and we'll find that there's some tightness or imbalance somewhere that's affecting that hip or back pain so even if you don't think you have anything wrong right at the time or you know directly postpartum it could affect you down the road if you don't get it checked out
1: Huh how frustrating is that? Oh my God. It's like you I can't know. eat your body, you know, like oh, I have back pain. Oh, you better go look at your pelvic floor. I mean, I realize I know rationally that everything is, is, um, you know, interrelated, but it's sometimes you're just like, can't I could just catch a break and just get a massage and call it good. <laughs> um, i you know. totally with uh, you. I wish it were yeah. that easy. <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I won't, I won't say that. Um, uh, so So you said um, that women get back to it too quickly, right? We don't give ourselves enough time to heal and recover from birth, which is a really traumatic experience on your body. It's a beautiful experience, but it also is quite a ride. Um, And you said you waited eight weeks to resume running postpartum. Um, I did. It was hard to wait that long, but you're glad you waited. So do you have like a blanket recommendation? How soon is too soon to jump back into exercise after giving birth? Or is it really an individual thing?
0: Um, I definitely think before eight weeks is too soon. Because if if you think about it, there are a lot of different things happening. And you have to your body has to kind of come back together, if you will. And eight weeks is actually probably even too early. But I talked to my colleagues, my some of my pelvic health therapists, and they said eight weeks was when they felt like was probably a good time to start in terms of the pelvic floor. Um, but there are a lot of different things to consider. So you know, we had I had talked about breastfeeding and stress fractures and a whole bunch of different things in my article. But your body really doesn't get back to the way that it was or close to it for a year or two years after you have a baby, especially if you're breastfeeding. So you have to at least allow your body enough time to get things back together a little bit for your muscles to start to turn on, for you to be able to feel your abs or your glutes or things before you go out there and run. Um, I saw on the survey that I did that some people were starting as early as four weeks, and then other people waited after eight weeks. But um, you know, even in my friends, I've noticed that the people who wait longer actually end up with less injuries and are able to keep going than those that start too soon. Yes.
1: Yeah, so-, so how did how did you? Um, mentally cope during those eight weeks I mean I I realize you're coming into life with a new child so it's not like like, I want to run I want to run I want to run but there is some you know there is a nice kind of recalibration of everything after you sweat right and especially when your whole life has kind of been turned upside down that's kind of when you need it the most so so did you like did you go for walks did you I don't know what, what did you do
0: Oh, I did everything. I mean, I wanted to run three days after I had the baby, right? So um, I walked every day. Um And that's something I recommend to my patients is I walked every day and I started, you know, 15, 20 minutes and um, I was lucky I didn't have a lot of issues. So I was able to walk up to an hour and, you know, I took my son with me. So it was good to get out of the house and be out in the air. Luckily, it was April, so it was really, really nice. Um, And that was good for both of us to be out of the house in the fresh air doing something active. So I did that every day. But then I also did my own, you know, I'm, I'm a PT, so I make up my own exercise. Exercises, of course, and diagnose myself as we all <laughs> probably shouldn't do. So I uh, I made up a whole routine that took whenever he took a nap, or at least you know once a day when he took a nap, I would do to get myself ready to run. So. I started with my diaphragmatic breathing, just laying on my back, breathing. And then I added some um, something we call bent knee fallouts or heel lifts. They're basic Pilates exercises that really just incorporate breathing and breath and a little bit of abdominal work. And then I did some um, hip strength and um, I started easy again, just you know, leg lifts, things like that. And then I worked my way up to bridges and I really just spent like 30 to 40 minutes, probably at least four times a week doing strengthening exercises that weren't too uh, strenuous that I knew would really build my deep, deep core before I got back out there running again.
3: It's so smart because I just remember when I was, when I had, after I had my first child and you know, she slept a lot. So I had a lot of time on my hands. And I just remember, so I got some work done. I'd be sitting at my computer and I just remember looking down at my abs and thinking, contract, contract, pull in. And they just like, it was like, it wasn't even part of my body. It was like, it was inert matter just sitting there on my lap or something that it just, there was no, didn't seem like there were any synapses firing between my brain and my abs. (sighs)
0: Well, and that's actually truth. That's actually truthful, because, you know, your brain and your muscles have to talk. And if you haven't used them in a long time, that synapsis isn't there. So you're not wrong thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's actually what we do in neuromuscular reeducation is teaching your muscles and your brain to talk again.
3: Look at that! An English major knew some sciencey thing that was going on. I'm so I'm so proud. Thirteen and a half years later, <laughs> I'm proud of you too. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so, so as Dimity alluded to, you know, it can be it can be tough. You know, you're you're there with the new baby. You're feeling kind of housebound, and just you're itching to get back out there. I mean, do you have yeah. an, any tips or advice on how new moms can really take it easy on themselves, both psychologically and physically? After you know, in those those weeks after giving birth.
0: Oh, absolutely! I mean, first of all, give yourself a break. You just did an amazing thing. I mean, we really forget that so quickly. We forget a week later that we just had a baby. <laughs> I mean, come on now, <laughs> that is a huge deal. Um, I would say we have a great running community. Um, where I live. And there are a lot of moms. And before people have babies, you know, right after they've had them, there's a Facebook group that you can like send messages and talk. And then there's meetups where you can go, if you're a runner, and you can't wait to get back to running, they start with you walking. And you go meet up and you walk with your new baby and your, um, and your friends or your soon to be friends. And I thought that that was great, because Um, Not only was I getting out of the house, but I could talk about the things I was having a hard time with. I think that we really just need to talk about it instead of, you know, shutting ourselves up inside of a house and really just, you know, getting into that cycle of, you know, the baby's going to the bathroom, I have to change the diaper, I have to feed him, yada, yada, yada. You just, you go out there and you talk to the people that are going through it at the same time.
3: Yeah, so true. Absolutely. So true. It can be so isolating in those first few weeks. And you think, have I sat in any other chair other than this one that I've been (laughs) breastfeeding in? You know, it's like, oh, I can... <laughs> it
0: was
3: such a Have not changed my clothes? I know I remember It was so um Such a game changer for me When I realized When I was breastfeeding my twins Which is uh, an ordeal That I was like Oh I could walk downstairs And sit on the couch And that way I can look out the window While I breastfeed Like Oh look Life is going on The bus goes by The cars go by And it's just You know It's so easy To just get trapped In your own In your own little Small world Right in those couple weeks After
0: yeah, and luckily it gets better later. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, but I think it's I
1: mean, you know, my sister just had a my little sister just had a baby, um, my younger sister, uh, and she he, her daughter's now two and a half weeks old, and you forget um how much it changes everything and your hormones. I mean, you know, it's it's like running a marathon, right? Like you're just like, oh i you know, you finish it you're like, I'll never do that again. And then a couple years later, you're like, Okay, I could do that again. Um, but um But yeah, but but I think, I mean, I think it's a couple weeks. I mean, I think it's six months, I mean, or even a year. I mean, really, because like you said, Kate, I mean, your whole body, it is a, I just think, I just think that women need to give themselves a break. And I mean, I see it firsthand with my sister and it's so hard because I can see her being so hard on herself and I'm like, Sarah, yeah, you gotta just chill, you know. Like your baby is healthy. She is. I mean, she's the cutest little peanut in the world. I mean, so cute mm-hmm. and so awesome. And her older kid is doing well. And yet she's just. It's just hard to sit still and just be in this culture, right?
0: I mean, I, I don't know. I There's a lot agree. of pressure. No- there's so much pressure, and if you look at other countries, you get a year off after you have a baby. Some cultures, you actually have your baby, and then um, they just bring the baby to you to breastfeed, and then other people in your family and your community help to help you take care of them and let you rest and actually sleep. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like those are novel ideas, but so many cultures do that, and I think that unfortunately ours is that go 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 type A personality. We've got to do the you know we've got to from here or A to B really quickly really puts us in a lot of trouble when it comes to taking care of our bodies, especially after having a baby. And then of course, if you're, if you feel like you're not taking care of your body, then your mind gets all involved and it's just, it's a really bad cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then you throw in like no sleep and, you know, and the, oh. I mean, the partner usually, I mean, you know, her husband <laughs> had to take a week off, you know, so then she's back by herself, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, in this, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I could talk about it forever. It's just hard. And it's hard when you've been through it and you see the other side and you're like, I know, I know you can do this. You just got to hang in, hang in one foot in front of the other, you know?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I agree. It's very hard.
1: Well, so going back to stress fractures, because you talked about that a little bit um, about the relationship between stress fractures and breastfeeding. Um, can mm-hmm. you talk about why you're more susceptible to getting a stress fracture while you're breastfeeding
0: and how long that elevated risk remains? Sure. Okay. So when you're breastfeeding and right after um, after you have a baby, your estrogen levels in your body are decreased. And estrogen is actually what protects your bones. So first of all, you have... So that's a big deal, for, okay? Studies have also shown... That um, you lose about three to five, I think is the number, three to 5% of your bone mass while breastfeeding. So you take those couple things. So, first, you have less bone mass. Second, your estrogen, which protects your bones, is decreased. And third, you're trying to feed a human. I just (laughs) want to say that again you're trying to feed a human, (laughs) and they need calcium to survive and to grow their bones. So, they're taking that out of you. So, if you're trying all of those things happening at once, what happens is that your body has to choose. Um, and it often chooses to feed the baby rather than protect yourself. So, if you add running into that mix, then you're adding just a whole nother stress on your body, especially if you're not taking in enough calcium that can set you up for stress fractures.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, and then you had asked me also um, about how long that lasts. <laughs> so um, I think that the research says uh, it takes at least six months after you're done breastfeeding um, for your body to kind of equalize and you're at a lower risk after that.
3: Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you know, if you go for what the, you know, all the experts recommend that we're talking quite a long time then that people could be at a risk of stress fractures. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I told my husband for every baby, I get like two and a half or three years of whatever I want to do because that's how long my body <laughs> takes to heal. <laughs> But the thing is, when
3: are you ever going to call in those chits? You know, it's like, yeah, now's not yeah, the time never. to. No, mm, no. Well, when they go away to college, no, that's not when. So I'm not sure you'll ever get to claim those, you know, tickets that you have, that credit you have. But, <laughs> but it's nice to think yeah, about.
0: it just makes me feel better.
3: <laughs> right, right. Um, so a final question is something that um, we started out talking about earlier, which is postpartum leakage. And, you know, it's we joke yeah. it's the reason all moms should wear black bottoms while running, but, you know, it's it's no laughing matter. So, you know, as a PT and a mother runner, what advice do you give to women who leak urine while running or doing other impact exercises?
0: Sure. It doesn't have to happen. That's the number one thing. I just don't think people realize that just because you had a baby that it doesn't have to happen. You really, this is where it sounds like all I do is talk about pelvic health therapists, but seriously, this is where they can really help you (laughs) (laughs) because they're going to help you retrain those muscles. Leakage occurs when there's an imbalance somewhere. It could be that you're not breathing correctly. It could be that your abdominal wall has diastasis. It could be that your pelvic floor Um, is tight somewhere or it's not firing another place all of those different things could be affecting that and it could be very very easy you may only need one or two visits or you may need more but the point is you should really get it taken care of because if you don't you're going to end up with some other injury later and you're still going to have to wear black bottoms
3: (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of cute pattern lighter colored bottoms out there so we want people to be able to wear them and and have them look good at the end of a race or something (laughs) like that
0: (laughs) That's exactly right. It's exactly right.
1: (laughs) Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Do you have a race coming? Oh, sorry. I was curious yourself, Kate. Do you have a race coming up, or what are you doing this winter?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I'm not really sure. Like I said, unfortunately, I'm having some uh, health problems. I have a. I've just been found out to have a genetic heart disease. Mm. Um, Oh no! Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay it's all right. It uh, came up after pregnancy. A lot of different things happen after pregnancy. And um, so right now I'm just figuring out what to do. And I'm hoping, like really hoping that I'm still going to be able to run
3: Oh yeah. at well, all. Well, we hope so, <laughs> so too. And, and, um, and I hope you gain satisfaction knowing you're helping a lot of other women get out there and run and, and take part in triathlons and things like that. So we, and we hope you're out there joining them soon.
0: Thank you very much. I certainly am. I love doing what I do. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Kate. Take care. Bye.
3: We're going to switch from talking to a physical therapist to a professional runner. We're going to be bringing on Stephanie Bruce, who's a professional runner for Wazelle and Hoka 1-1. She's aiming for the Olympic marathon trials next February. Her marathon PR is two twenty nine thirty five. Wow. 35 um, Wow. She was the third American woman across the line at the 2013 boston marathon the 15th woman overall at that race stephanie is a professional running coach with her husband ben in arizona and she became a mom for the first time in mid-june of 2014 then again 15 months later oops she admits it was an oops her second son is a little over six weeks old megan what do you like about the mother runner mixes that we've collaborated
2: on So the Mother Runner mixes, for me, because I'm a Mother Runner myself, Mm -hmm. it feels like it was my friend picking out songs specifically for my run. It's as if you guys knew when I was going to be having low points and you found a way to just find a song that was going to make me so happy and keep me going up that hill. So you've got this mix of things I've you know known forever, this mix of songs I've maybe never heard of before. And they're just all so fun and they just keep you so motivated and so high. And they're long, right? They're mm-hmm. an hour and a half. And so you really just don't have to worry about where the music's coming from because you guys took care of all of that for us. So they're just, they're just awesome. I love them.
3: I gotta say I love them too. Even though we (laughs) created them, I love them too. (laughs) We'll give ourselves a pat on the back, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So for a gift of two Rock My Run mixes created in collaboration with another Mother Runner, download the free Rock My Run app, set up a free account, and enter code BAMR. All uppercase letters, B-A-M-R, which stands for Badass Mother Runner, which... Megan, you know, you're one. I'm one, too. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, rock on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie Bruce, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
3: So tell us first about your running background, please.
2: Sure. Um, So I've been running professionally since uh, 2007. That's when I graduated college. And in college, I was um, a two-time All-American in the 10,000-meter And I had kind of glimmers of, I guess, greatness when I was getting out of college. I thought, hey, maybe I can do this for a living Um, and maybe one day, you know, give a shot at trying to make an Olympic team. And then I kind of had a few years where I was struggling with my health and, I just was injured all the time. I couldn't recover, and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. It, it made me question whether I was supposed to be doing this. Um, so at that at that time, I was like, maybe I'll go back to grad school. You know, when just your brain is all over the place um, with not knowing what you want to do when you're 24 years old. Um, And then turns out after seeing a couple of doctors, I I figured out that I had celiac disease and that was actually the reason why I wasn't recovering, why I was staying injured. Um, So luckily in in 2010, I got that diagnosis and then I decided to kind of take a chance on my running career and I lived in Eugene, Oregon at the time. And, and I was being coached by Brad Hudson um, and I kind of decided, decided to split, split ways and I moved out to Flagstaff, Arizona and joined a group out here. And I had a pretty big breakthrough um, eight months after moving here and figuring out I had celiac. I ran 229 in the marathon, um, which, was which is pretty huge. That was awesome. my second marathon. Yeah, pretty huge. I d- yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I had, um, I had run one right out of college just to kind of see what the distance was like, and I ran 240, um, and I ran pretty even split. So that was okay, but it was definitely something where I'm like, well, if this is something where I want to do for a living, and like I said, eventually try to make an Olympic team, um, 240 wasn't exactly going to cut it. So, yeah, so that 229 was like a big shock to people, but it was almost like a long time coming to, to me in my own head because I always believed that I had that in me. But yeah, and then just from there um, – I stayed in Flagstaff, and things just kind of kept getting better, and I just started PRing in, in basically everything I ran. I, I ran on the roads um, the following year and had a really good streak of um, some 10,000s, half marathons, and then I ran the Olympic trials in 2012, um, the 10,000, and I was eighth place there. Um I was about 25 seconds off making the team so that definitely wasn't that wasn't the year I was going to have a shot at that but it was still my PR. Um yeah, that's kind of running background in a nutshell. Nice. Sure, sure.
1: Well, and so um so you planned your first pregnancy, right? To to co- kind of coincide with your training schedule, is that right?
2: I did. Yeah, we planned it so um basically at the end of 2013 I had a really Great spring and summer of road racing, and we were kind of looking ahead, and I, and I knew the 2016 marathon trials was the big focus. So we said, okay, if we wanted to start a family now, um, if we started right now, I would have you know 18 to 20 months post baby to get ready for the trials. So luckily, we got pregnant right away, um, and so I got pregnant in September of 2013 and had my son in June of 2014. And then felt, yeah, very optimistic that I had, like I said, 18 to 19 months um, to get ready for the marathon trials.
1: And so then tell us what happened after that, Stephanie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. So then, um, then I got back to training uh, late fall of 2014, and things were looking pretty good. I mean – I got back into, I'd say, like pretty decent shape. Um, three months post baby, I actually had a little appearance 5K that I was supposed to go to and just kind of run it as a, a fun run, maybe like a tempo run. We thought maybe like I'd run 1830 something, just very low key. Um, but there, a girl ended up showing up, and of course my competitive juices got flowing. And next thing I know, um, I'm racing her <laughs> to the line, and I ended up I ended up running 1657. Uh, which was wow. which was pretty which is thanks which, which is pretty shocking because yeah it was three months after having um, the baby and I just I hadn't done that much training so that was kind of like whoa that mom mojo is real um, <laughs> it made me believe that yeah like moms actually do come back stronger and faster um, yeah and then two months later I was getting ready for. Um, a 15k down in phoenix and i just remember not feeling that great in training i had to like stop mid-run um one of my workouts and i'd never done that and then when i raced the 15k i had almost kind of like an anemic feeling um so we went and got some blood work done and turns out i was 12 weeks pregnant at the time (laughs) so there was a little bit of a oops surprise um yeah so then i became uh, pregnant with my second child
3: Wow. And you, you ran until 29 weeks of the second pregnancy. Is that right?
2: I did. Yes. That was a little, I ran until about 31 weeks with my first son and then yeah, 29 weeks with the last baby.
3: And then what made you stop and what did you do for fitness during the rest of your pregnancies?
2: Yeah. I let, um, definitely how my body felt guide me. Um, I kind of had no plan as to how far I would, I would run into the pregnancy. I just started to have some pelvic pain and basically after runs, my pelvis would just ache a little bit. And I'm like, you know, that's not, that's not a good sign and, and running is supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be injury free and if I was having any sort of pain, that was probably my body telling me that ligaments just couldn't support um, my pelvis anymore. So yeah, I stopped around 29 weeks, and then I actually um, rode on the elliptical on a trainer for the next five to six weeks, and then I alternated with riding on a bike on the trainer. I obviously didn't want to go outside because that was a little too dangerous to ride outside, not on a trainer. And then the last four weeks, I was just a pregnant lady held up on the couch just trying (laughs) and and very far far from an athlete, but I think that's important to, to have those couple of weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is the lift to go as fun as it looks? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it it obviously looks hilarious when there's a big pregnant lady on it. Um, But (laughs) yeah, no, it's really fun because honestly, it mimics the closest to running that you can without the impact. Um, mm-hmm. And you're just working super hard and you can get your heart rate up on it just as easy as you can running. And I think there's not a lot of cross-training tools out there. Like you have to work pretty hard on a bike or swimming, unless you can't swim, um, to get your heart rate <laughs> up. But the elliptigo the is really a valuable tool for that. I think it, yeah. it mimics running the best. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, that was
1: a, a non sequitur, but I was just curious because I've never asked anyone who's, who's tried it. It always looks fun. Is it hard to steer? Yeah.
2: Um, No, it's not, not at all. It just takes a couple of times getting used to it, but it's, Uh, no, it's pretty smooth.
3: uh, Dim, I didn't tell you that my, uh, Courtney, you know, who we've stayed with in Maryland a few times, my best friend from high school, she got an elliptigo because she shattered her ankle about two years ago and just was not allowing her to come back to running. So, but she said that um, she feels like there's so few women on elliptigos. And so, you know, so then, Stephanie, you added in the whole pregnant thing. So, you know, you were really an anomaly out there on that So,
2: <laughs> Oh, absolutely.
3: Yeah, but it, it looks like um, from that blog post on the Wazelle site that you are using the elliptico now postpartum. Is that right?
2: Yes, exactly. Like I said, since it's the, the closest to running and getting your heart rate up, I just felt like I'm not going to be able to return to very high mileage and high volume, you know, right away. So I'm trying to be cautious. Um, and the elliptical is helping me do that. And, and now I can actually take it out of our garage and off the trainer. Um, and it honestly just gives me this feeling of, like, freedom because you're just you're riding through the air so quickly and it gives you this feeling of of freedom. And it's the closest to running you can have. And since I can't, you know, run that much that quickly, um, just having that feeling of being outside and the wind blowing through your hair and just breathing in is, yeah, it's awesome.
1: So your second son, right now. I was a little over six weeks old. So, I mean, have you have you tried running yet? Or tell us what your plan is to get back to running.
2: Sure, yeah. So this uh, my delivery, actually, with this son was much smoother than my first son. I had a pretty rough delivery. Um, so I was really fortunate. Actually, a week after I had him, I went out for like a 10-minute walk. And I just couldn't believe that I was out walking because it took me five weeks to go for a walk with my first son. Um, yeah, so things just kind of were healing pretty well. And then I still decided though I wanted to wait a few weeks because there's just some female stuff going on you're obviously when you're, you're breastfeeding your uterus isn't you know shrunken down yet so there's a lot of um, heaviness still going on so I didn't want to compromise my pelvic floor or anything like that. so I waited till about three weeks and I, I went for a three-minute run. (laughs) And it was the ugliest, most glorious (laughs) three minutes of my life because, yeah, I hadn't run, you know, in about 13 weeks um, since my pregnancy. And it just felt awesome to be out there again. And I did about probably five more runs over the next few weeks. And then about a week ago, after one of my runs, I kind of had some pelvic pain that I had a little bit during pregnancy. So it, it caused me to you know hold up a red flag and figure out what was going on. So I stopped running about a week ago and I actually recently went down to our my chiropractor down in Phoenix and we figured out well we obviously knew this but I have a really bad case of diastasis recti where my abs are um, to the point of separation. I call them divorced because they're really far apart. <laughs> I don't know if they want I don't know if they want to I don't know if they want to go back together. Um, they never want yeah, to see so each other again, right? <laughs> Yeah, never. Exactly. Um, they're going to have to. Yeah. Um, so we but he got me on a really good core program um, over the last couple of days. And just in doing them for the last 48 hours, it's amazing the activation that I already feel in my glutes and my core and my low back. Um, but that was just the missing component. I don't think I'll be ready to 100 percent return to running until that core is strong enough to anchor and hold my pelvis, you know, in a stable position.
3: Sure. You said in that, um, the Wazell blog that I referenced earlier, I, um, have to say, I just loved what you wrote. You said, my abs are shot. I have rolls upon rolls of stretch marks and loose skin, a three finger gap of diastasis recti, a pelvic floor in need of a medieval chastity belt boobs that ache on a run, no matter how many Verrazano bras I layer on. And my mental game is far from solid. Um, so love love the honesty there. That was fantastic. Um, so I mean, you know, Thank with you. with all that going on, I mean, where do you then see yourself starting to stage a comeback?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I put that in there because a lot of times when when we're followed as you know elite athletes and professional athletes, right? This is my job. This is what I do for a living, and. Yes, when I'm on my game, I can, I, you know, run 5:21 pace for the half marathon, but you know, I still pee my pants on some easy runs. So, <laughs> it's it's more just trying to show women that even though this is what I do for a living, I'm still a woman whose body went through a, a big change um, to to have a baby. So, if you had asked me this, you know, 10 months ago before I got pregnant, you know, the whole focus was going to be on the 2016 marathon trials, but now that's within 4 months away right now. So it's a little bit of a mystery as to as to where my focus is going to be. Just in general, we're going to take it week by week and just try to get back to a baseline fitness and um, you know, if for some reason things start to catch fire over the next couple of weeks and I'm able to get back to a level where I feel like I could run a half marathon in January, that's what I would do because I actually don't have a a standard um, because I I was pregnant through the whole window of the qualifying standard. So I'd have to go run a half, you know, that last qualifying date, which is January 17th. And if I ran something that was like, oh, well, that was pretty easy, maybe I can double that, that would give me the hope that I'd maybe be on the starting line for the Olympic trials um, marathon in February. But if not, we will shift our focus for the 10,000 meter on the track um, and try to give myself a shot to, to possibly make that team. But aside from it being an Olympic year, I just want to get back to to competitive racing and and get back to um, you know the fitness I was before I got pregnant and just show that this this is what I can do and I can get back to a really high level even with having two babies at home and my husband also being a pro runner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: So then the 10,000-meter trials, those are later than the marathon trials in February?
2: Uh, yes. The track Olympic trials are in July. They're July 1st through July 10th in Eugene, Oregon next summer.
3: Nice. So you have a lot, a lot more time to get back to those.
2: Absolutely, yeah. There's there's a lot less um, time crunch and pressure and there's also a ton of stuff along the way. You know, I would get back to the roads, probably run a few half marathons, um, run a few track races. You know, there's U.S. championships, the 15K championships. So there's a lot of opportunity. It's just it's kind of letting go of that, the emphasis that it is an Olympic year. And that's always a lot more pressure on an athlete, but there's also, there's also a lot more to do in your career than, than making an Olympic team. So I try to remind myself of that.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I mean, and you've been really open about that, which is great. I mean, I have to applaud you for your, for being so honest about your body and, you know, and showing, I mean, the pictures on the Wazell post were just, I mean, I don't want to say fantastic because I'm sure you don't feel great about them, but I love that you were okay putting them up. You know, I mean, just because you know that's what a body looks like. I mean, you know, I just said earlier um, with the the expert that we had on, my sister just had a baby two and a half weeks ago, and and I came home and I was like, Sarah, you look great, and she's like, I don't look like Kate Middleton. And I'm like, I don't know anybody that looks like Kate Middleton who like comes out of the hospital, like in a beautiful dress, beautifully coiffed, you know, looking back to size four. Like it just doesn't happen, you know. And someone yeah, like yourself who sure. obviously has a very athletic, strong body and you value your health and wellness to even have, you know, this body that's like, is this mine? Does this even belong to me? It doesn't feel like me. And to be <laughs> honest about that, I think is really, it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. But so, so you've talked about your body, but how about your mind? I mean, I. We've had Lauren Fleshman on, and she talks about how you know the whole world thinks of running as the Olympics, right? And but runners know that they that they only come around you know four times or once every four years, you know, and you really just have to have like the universe just totally aligned in order to be there. And obviously, it's not going to happen in the marathon for you in twenty sixteen. I mean, how are you kind of mentally reconciling? this lovely child, two children that you have, and family with your own personal goals?
2: Yeah, that, that's a great question. I love that you brought Lauren, because Lauren's one of my best friends. Um, and we have this conversation all the time, because the one thing you look at the Olympics, too, is look at the country you're from, right? We're from the US. The US, is, besides Kenya, is one of the hardest teams to make. If you were to put us um, in a different country, just because I've run 229 the marathon, I could make another Olympic, uh, another country's Olympic team because I run a standard. So there's just different countries who are like, oh, if you run this time, you're on the team. Whereas our country is, nope. Top three on the day, um, you either <laughs> do it or you don't. So, sure. so when you look at it that way, being an Olympian really, you know, holds a different meaning and value and weight. Um, so how am I dealing with it? It's it's been a struggle. Um, it's definitely been something that I'm a big dreamer and I've. I've believed for the last couple of years that, that I thought I was supposed to, you know, be on the starting line of 2016 marathon trials to give my shot, give myself a shot to make the team. But like I said in my blog, that might not happen. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to just look at my career um, a little more big picture. And I'm only 32, so in terms of marathoning, um, that's that's fairly young. Because you look at women like Dina Kasser, who's 40, and she just ran. You know, two twenty-seven in Chicago. So she's obviously um, still crushing it. So it's encouraging to see to see stuff like that. Um, yeah, I guess I just have to I have to realize that maybe there was a, a different plan for me, a different path. And yes, I have two beautiful babies and this incredible family um, now to show for it. So it just I just got on a different path, maybe than I than I thought my career was going to take. But that doesn't mean that. It's my career's over or it doesn't mean it's any less meaningful. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: So, so what did you, uh, we mentioned in the intro that you are a coach along with your husband, Ben. So what advice do you give to runners you coach when they return to running postpartum? And how has that advice possibly been colored by your personal experiences?
2: Yeah, that's funny. I think since I got pregnant and had my second baby, our influx of inquiries from postpartum moms like, skyrocketed. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, they're like, "That's good." This, this, yeah, they're like, "This lady knows what she's talking about," and I'm like, "Okay, well, I pretend I do." <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually cool. We I have like two two ladies right now who are like postpartum, and they're like. Crushing it. And I'm like, oh, good job, you guys. Like, they're killing it more than like I am. I'm not even like quite running yet. And um, so it's, it's encouraging to be like, okay, well, I'll live vicariously through you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I basically just told them there's a lot that goes into postpartum running that returning from either an injury or something like that's so different, right? So if you're breastfeeding, your ligaments are still really lax. So a lot of times women are going to have SI joint problems, um, you're going to have low back problems. Like I said, um, if your abs are separated, there's going to be a lot more instability with your core and your pelvis. And the fact that um, if you are breastfeeding, you're probably not sleeping eight hours, um, eight to nine hours solid a night. Those are getting broken up. So I think what you have to do is you just have to adapt your training to that, and the load has to be less because you're going to recover a lot less. Um, there's going to be a lot more demands on you throughout the day. So if you're someone that had been running. Forty-five miles a week, you know, before you had a baby. Now you might want to run twenty-five to thirty miles a week because that might be all your body can handle, recovery-wise, and you know, you know, musculoskeletal. Also, you just your ligaments are going to be more lax, like I said, from the breastfeeding and the hormones. So you just have to pay pay attention to those things. It doesn't mean you can't still um, work out and you can't still have the goals that you want, but you just have to realize that. You're not your former self, um, and it's going to be like that for a while until you're probably done breastfeeding, and even a couple more months after that. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so, one small detail question: you mentioned about the half marathon, you have to, you know, meet a qualifying standard. What is the time of that that you would it's need to It's
2: 75. Yeah, it's 75 minutes.
3: I love that you don't even you know we always start things out with hour or something, you know, two hours oh. and, you, and you just go by minutes. And so yeah, seventy-five know, minutes. Wow. Wow.
2: It's, it's one of those and I you know, you feel bad when you say it, but again, like I said, if, if I'm doing this for a living, like I should say it pretty casually. Um yeah, and I run I run just under seventy one minutes for the half for my PR. So in theory, seventy-five minutes should be really easy, but that will if it's not, it means I'm probably not ready to to run a marathon and double that. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you push your kids and – do you push your younger one in a stroller for workouts? I'm just curious. So what's um, – so your first son?
2: Uh, my first son is Riley and he's 16 months old. Um okay. We were actually fortunate – yeah, so we, we had like one of those big clunky Graco Great. strollers that you put the car seat in and we tried like running one time with that and we were like, this is not happening. Um, and then we were actually fortunate <laughs> – Yeah, the company um, Thule or Thule T H U L E. It's a Swedish company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Thule. They sent us um, a stroller, and that thing is phenomenal. Um, I think it weighs 21 pounds, and I haven't been able to run with it yet. But but my husband Ben has, um, and he's like taking Riley on a couple like easy recovery runs just to get him out of the house so I could have a little break. Um, But as far as when I get back to running, I truthfully probably won't take them in it a lot just because you know, to be selfish, like my training has to be my training. Um, And I think that's a little more of a fun leisure taking the kids. Um, Yeah, if we got in a pinch and I had to do an afternoon run, I had to take the babies, of course I would. and I think we'll utilize it for like vacations and, and family trips when we all wanna um, maybe go on a run together. But as far as my own training, I'd like to be, yeah, hands free and not have not have a baby with me. Yeah,
3: you're you're I think you're dealing with enough things <laughs> that you can leave the, the <laughs> lovely Thule stroller at home and, and enjoy it at other times. So um, thank you. Well well Stephanie, we are going to be watching with interest uh, your progress and we'll be cheering for you in, in January and, and all along the way. So thanks so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks
3: Thank and congrats you so on the new babe. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Wow. I mean, just I think about the fact that she has two such young children and then everything else that's going on. The, uh, Stephanie is, I think, a um, professional juggler as well as professional runner as far as I'm concerned.
1: Gosh, I just felt so much pressure. I I hope that um, she figures out what's. I mean, because I mean, that's January. That is that is you know that is three months away, not not even. It's like two and a half months away. Mm-hmm. And I know that she's very capable runner, but my gosh, like that's that's just a really hard position to be in. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I think she's handling it beautifully, and I think that the more transparent she can be, the better. But I just. That's just hard because a baby, of course, a baby, but then like, you know, she saw herself on the 2016 trial starting line, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, those are two really, really big things, you know, that they, they're, and they just don't go together,
3: right? Yeah, they're divergent for sure. Yeah, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness! Well, let's head on over to our challenge corner, where we're going to hear from Robin, who just ran her first marathon. It's the New York City Marathons, and some of you might have heard of it. Um, and she ran it on Sunday. And um, Robin's from my hometown of Stamford, Connecticut. So um, and she was part of our marathon challenge. So I'll start off, and then I'll hand off the the quote from you, Dim. So. Um, so robin says well if anyone decides to run a marathon for the first time i say nyc is the place to be the race was amazing i loved every second a couple of weeks ago my it band started seizing and i had to let go of any ambitious finish times and just wanted to make it to the finish line the spirit of nyc was just awesome roars of the crowd bands playing complete strangers cheering you on there was so much crowd support i did not need any music Unfortunately, my IT band started giving me pain by mile 10, and by mile 13, I was running slash hobbling. I struggled on the Queensboro Bridge, both physically and mentally. I just kept thinking, my leg hurts, how can I keep going? And, you can do this, you're finding you're strong, just finish. As I came off the bridge and entered First Avenue, there were crowds of people calling my name. My friends and family were lined up on the avenue, screaming and cheering for me. It was the most incredible feeling... And was the lifet- lifeline I so desperately needed. My family and friends were also able to see me at mile 24 and give me that last push.
1: When I finished a, the race after a long visit in the medic tent, I walked to a restaurant where my family was waiting. When I entered the restaurant, the place erupted with applause and cheering. I turned around to see who watched in the building, but it was me they were celebrating. Even though I was in a lot of pain, it was an awesome experience all around. People will ask me if I will do a marathon again. The wife and mom and me says it, says it depends on my family. The competitor in me says I want to run a healthy race. So for now, I say running a marathon is like giving birth. I have to forget about the pain for a while before I can consider it again. By the way, I'm a mom of three. I'm really glad I have this tribe. The tribe gave me encouragement, words of wisdom, and strength to draw from when I needed it, whether it was for a training run or during the actual race. I love being a bammer. Congratulations. Um, her talking about coming on to First Avenue. I mean, I watch, did you watch it on um, Sunday, Sarah, the I marathon?
3: Did, I did not. I was out trail running, actually, with some friends.
1: Oh, okay. I just, I mean, I just, oh, that is, there's nothing like that feeling of coming off the Queensboro Bridge and hearing the crowds before you see them. I mean, I think it's got to be the closest to feeling like a professional athlete you'd ever feel, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's, it's thunderous. It's just thunderous. Um, and then this is my memory from it, you know, almost 20 years ago in the rain mm-hmm. and now, you know, so that the crowds weren't even as good that year, but um, anyway, cool. Congratulations.
3: Yeah. And I also Sarah. L- I also no, lo- Sarah. Robin. Robin. Robin, Robin, Robin. Yeah. 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 Robin. So I also just love the part about where Robin says she entered the restaurant and the place erupted and she turned around to see who had walked in. It's like, oh, did George Clooney come in? It's like, no, Robin, they're cheering for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the song for this, um, it's a brand new one by uh, my son's current musical crush, Ariana Grande, and it's called Focus. And I just figured some of the lyrics were really good for what you need to do during a marathon. So we have two holiday gift guides coming up, including one loaded with amazing discount codes from several top name running brands, including Saucony. To make sure you get the scoop, sign up for our daily or monthly newsletters by going to our content website, anothermotherrunner.com. And there you'll be greeted by a pop-up window and you can sign up there. And then when you start making up your holiday list, as well as figuring out what to buy for your best running friends, be sure to visit our online store, motherrunnerstore.com. We're debuting a bunch of new merchandise next week. I'm super excited, including a super sassy revamped design of one of our top sellers, which is our long sleeve badass mother runner tech tee. So we're just super excited to have that be out there in the world. So I know. Yeah. Yeah. As so, the weather turns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As the weather As turns. The weather
1: and the world turns. <laughs> yes.
3: Yes. So um whatever distance you are running and whatever amount of postpartum you are or not, uh, many happy miles to you.